Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And on today's episode, we got a really special guest. We're talking with Gene Hammett and Gene helps leaders go from just the status quo to really being exceptional and to accelerate their business growth. And he's been doing this for over 20 years. He started, he's run multiple million dollar companies and, uh, and he really has like every unstoppable CEO. He's succeeded, he's fallen down, he's had to reinvent himself and, and gotten back to success. Um, and, and today he's gonna share some key insights and lessons for how he's done that. And he's also gonna share what he's most excited about in business today. Um, he is an absolute master at helping businesses get clients and grow the business through speaking. And so I'm excited to talk with him about that. Um, and and uh, he has interviewed through his podcast, Leaders in the Trenches, uh, multiple New York Times bestselling authors, um, including Jack Canfield, and and he's been featured on Forbes and NBC and Success Magazine, and and all over the place. So, uh, Gene, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Great to have you here. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, so you've been doing this for a while, and um, like like most of us who have been playing the game and, and been involved in multiple businesses. There've been some days that haven't been perfect. Have you had a, a couple that maybe haven't been perfect? You're talking about in the last, in the last week or are you talking about <laughs> just in general? Um, yeah. I, I think it's a common thing across all of us, especially when we're, we're, we're stretching ourselves. We've, we've got bigger goals, things we've never accomplished before. Um, we're going to have expectations that aren't met and that causes stress, uh, whether it be technology, whether it be people, whether it be money, all of those things happen as an entrepreneur and I know everyone's probably been through this, so I'm not alone. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you run into those kind of roadblocks, what I'd really love to, to learn about today from you is what are your approaches? How do you approach getting around and what are sort of the frameworks or the mindsets or the habits that you've developed that help you get through those roadblocks when you hit them? You know, it's a pretty good question, but but there are probably many different facets to it. Uh, I will tell you, I've learned a lot over the last probably five or six years too, because as a business owner before becoming a coach, I literally just showed up every day. And many times I was just that firefighter, right? It's like putting out fires, really didn't understand what it meant to be proactive. I, I, I didn't have a word for it, but I was reactive to everything. Um, and that causes a, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration. And I had hired a coach and they figured out, you know, they asked me one key question that really bases a lot of my growth is, who are your most valuable customers? And I couldn't answer that at the time. I had about a million in sales, maybe a little closer to a million. And I couldn't answer that question. And I, I was a little bit embarrassed because I felt like I should be in tune with all those things going on. And we were doing a lot of business, but we, I just didn't have the answer to that. So um, what I do today now is I, I, I realize I've got to be more proactive with my strategies. I can't just show up and expect that, that I'm going to get the right things done because then I can get, I can get sucked into email pretty easily. I don't know if it's <laughs> my email box looks like yours, but I imagine they're probably similar. And then I, I know that focus has been one of those things I really have to attach myself to. Um, I can easily get distracted. There's a lot of opportunities 
within the last year. So those are the key things, but I'll tell you, I've got this, I showed this to you before that this, I'm gonna share this with everybody. And this wasn't planned. This is my notebook for, for the year. Um, can you see that? Oh yeah, yeah. So, and, and for those that are listening, uh, Gene's holding up to the camera his notebook. And, yep. and what's the, the top word you've written there? Unstoppable. And this is before I got booked on this podcast, but I, I, re- I made a decision that I'm going to have one word this year. And actually a client gave it to me and she goes, you're unstoppable. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she goes, because you figure out strategies. You don't let anything to sh- to pull you away from, from what you really want. You go after your goals. You, you figure out a way to do it. And so, yeah, the first word's unstoppable. The second word's focused and the third word's proactive. I love it. Well, you know, I always get asked, where did the, the name, the unstoppable CEO come from? And it, it really came from um, a conversation I was having with um, a colleague and I, he was asking me a similar question, like, who are your customers? Who are your clients? And I started describing um, all of the things that they went through and, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're business owners who've had success and, and done well, but you know, it's, it's never been sort of that overnight success. And I don't know that there is anything, you know, such as an overnight success. I think those things are, are made over, over time, but um, they're the ones that were persistent and, and worked their way through it, just like what you've described. Um, and that's where we came up with that word unstoppable, because I think that's what you've got to be to um, not just to do well and prosper, but even just to survive play in this game. And, uh, and so I think that, that that's just an awesome word. And congratulations on, uh, on keeping that your focus for the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that from you. So, uh, I'll give it back later once I'm done with it. <laughs> so, um, you, you talked about focus. What are some of the things that, that you're doing to maintain the focus so that you're moving forward towards your goals rather than getting swayed because there's all kinds of noise going around all the time. So I interviewed um, Jay Papasan with the, the author of The One Thing, hmm. and then Greg McEwen, the author of Essentialism, mainly because I was struggling with my own focus. Like I, at some level, I think we're all focused. And, and I was, I would say that before even doing this, going through this, I was focused, but I interviewed them on the show, which is great to be able to have access to, to, to brilliant minds like that. And um, they challenged me through re- rereading their books. Like I reread them multiple times and which is rare that me people even finish books, but I was reading them multiple times and, and really just adapting a, a singular focus to what I'm doing. Like I, this year I don't have four goals that I'm going after. I have one as it relates to my business. I have one goal. Now there's some things that have to happen in between there, but, but I'm just looking at focus in new ways. So the way it kind of shows up is Every night before bed, what's the one thing I have to do? When I wake up and I'm kind of got this notebook out that I showed you on the video and I'm I'm journaling, what's the one thing I have to do? And I break it into parts and I, and when am I going to do that throughout the day? Ideally, I'm going to get that done first. I'm going to get that done before I actually start my day so that I can get that done before nine, maybe nine 30 today. I was up from six 30 to 10 because I had to get that done and I did. So that's one strategy I use. I love that. And, and the idea of getting it down to one thing, um, that may come from Greg's book. I don't remember, but I remember reading, um, and I've read both of those books within the yeah. last year. And, and it may have been in one of them where they talk about the, uh, this, the word priority. 
And if you go back to the origin of the word priority, it means one thing. Yeah. But we have we've bastardized it a little bit and we've made it a plural so we can have priorities. But um, there's a, there is tremendous value in getting that kind of focus. So um, I appreciate you sharing that and, and applaud you for, for being I, I'll tell you, to it. I, I've taken it to a little bit different level too because I – and, and I got triggered when I was talking to Greg McEwen on this because I have a, in my podcast, I had a, a practical and actionable segment. And he goes, here's the exercise. Write down the five or six things you must do tomorrow. It's like, okay. And he goes, prioritize them. Mark, mark down one, two, three, four, five. What order are you going to do them in? He goes, mark off the bottom five. And I just, I felt my gut go, ah, oh. Like I have to get all of these done. Like that's part of being unstoppable. I have to do all of these. And he's like, get that one done first, get the one thing done first. So I'm actually trying to slow down, but understand patience a little bit more. I, I, I struggle with this. I want the success. I want significance fast. I want, you know, whatever I'm doing, the projects to be finished and they take longer than I expect them to be. So I'm actually giving myself permission to slow down a little bit and slow down so that I can kind of speed up. I can really focus and do one thing really well, get it done completely from start to finish. And that is really helping me get more out of my day and feel more fulfilled with what I'm doing in that day. And I know it sounds great. It sounds probably horrible to you people that got a lot to do. I have a lot to do too, but I have one thing that really will move the needle in my business and I'm doing that first. Well, and, and here's the, the interesting bit of thinking that this forces. And I haven't gotten down to one thing, but um, I, I follow some of what uh, Dan Sullivan talks about when it comes to, to time. And, and for about the last 10 years, he says he's been doing three things a day. And that's, he limits himself to three things, which given however many, you know, working days he has, it's 300 and something, or maybe it's more than that. I guess it's probably 600 and something things that you can do in a year. And that's it. And so it forces you then to have that conversation with yourself about if I only have three things, or in your case, if you only have one thing, it's got to be a good thing. It's got to really contribute. And it, it's sort of by giving yourself that constraint, you force yourself to make the decisions about what's really going to matter. And, and then, you know, you can let all the other stuff go. But I, what I see way too often is we see this with a lot of our clients and businesses that come and want to work with us or are interested in going and finding more clients. And typically what will happen is it's an existing business. The guy's got, you know, success already just kind of scratching and clawing, but has got a full plate and never spends any time really proactively doing business development. So where are you going to find that time? Right. And it's always about what do we need to eliminate that really you as the CEO of your firm should probably not be touching. And, and uh, so that's really valuable thinking to go through. And the fact that you've got it down to one, um, I'm going to take that as a challenge and I, <laughs> I got to go to that level next. So it's, it's freeing from a, from a two different perspectives for me. I can put my energy and presence into one thing. And I know that that will move the needle. And then I can also give myself permission not to like, oh, I've got to do all of these other things. Now I'm still getting more things done. And, I, and, the, and these other things are, there's things that aren't getting done, but they probably aren't that important, right? So I really am working on the most important elements. And I found that my stress level has gone way down. My ability to accomplish things have gone way up. And um, I still use the unstoppable every time something doesn't go as expected. 
And even if I didn't have a day where I got it done, I'm like, okay, I'm unstoppable. Is that the next thing for tomorrow? Or is there something else I have to do? And I'm able to, to, to give myself permission just to keep moving forward. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Gene and I'm going to ask him to share what he is most excited about right now in business. So hang on. We'll be right back for that. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. I'm Steve Gordon, and I'm here with Gene Hammett, and he's just shared his best tip on staying focused. And uh, Gene, now I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what's got you really fired up, what you're excited about in business, and, uh, and, and what you're working on right now. So I could not break pattern here and say I have four things, right? <laughs> we, yeah, I, we might have to hold you accountable for that. I have to say it's one thing. And, and this was really hard to get to. And it actually changed. So I'll give you an idea of why it changed. I was launching my book in the first quarter of this year. I, I was expecting to launch my book in January. I had finished it in August. And I had uh, selected an editor because you can't edit your own stuff. You need, you need some fresh eyes. You need some, some, some experience and wisdom, an outside reader, multiple outside readers. And the person I chose just dropped the ball, honestly. And so I had to reshift my, in, in December, I really changed what that one thing would be for my business. And so I decided to take a program that I've been working with my clients privately uh, called Authority Camp and bring it into, make it available to people kind of as a group program because I wanted, I wanted to reach more people. And Authority Camp really is about you understanding how to raise your authority and increase your income with the same simple strategy. I've seen this work many times for myself first and then my clients started using it and I just, it is such a powerful way to build your business. And it scares the death out of so many people. So what I, what I mean by this is people, most people would rather, you know, be in a coffin than actually giving the eulogy. And, <laughs> but it's speaking. It's speaking on stages. Uh, it doesn't have to be thousands of people. In fact, it's probably better for you if it's not thousands of people. It's more intimate if it's 75. But imagine speaking for 75 of your perfect clients and that you, be able, you can share a message to get them to think differently about the way they've been going about their business or strategy or whatever you offer them. And it doesn't matter what you offer this. There's opportunities out there that I've seen. I've never seen opportunities that weren't available where you could actually share a message that get people to see you differently, get them to see the world differently. And then for them to see you as an authority and speaking is just what I think is an unfair advantage. So I'm helping people that are running traditional businesses like marketing companies, like consulting companies, go in front of the right audiences and deliver that right speech to get the clients to chase them and stop chasing them and trying to get all the funnel frenzy stuff. Do you know what I mean by funnel frenzy? <laughs> Completely. <laughs> like if, you, if you're selling high ticket item programs, speaking is probably the best thing. And so that's my, that's my one thing for right now. That's awesome. And, um, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about 
um, about how you do that. I, I will tell you my own experience in that. So I, I came into the, the business world in 1994. So I'm dating myself a little bit pre-internet. I don't think we got email for another year after I, I got into the business world. Um, and, and I remember that very first year, I'm this green kid out of college and uh, the firm I was with, we wanted, we were taking on some new technology and all that. And uh, um, the founder of the company landed a speaking opportunity. And he and I went and spoke before this group. They were all perfect clients for us. And that one speech, and I did an awful job. I was so nervous. My God, can you imagine? Here's like this kid right out of college. That I felt like I didn't know anything about what we were doing here, here with all of these um, these leaders of organizations who were much older than me and much more experienced than I was. Um, but that one speech led to um, within six months, we landed the largest contract in the history of that company up to that point was a $750,000 contract. And within four years, we had landed a million plus dollar a year ongoing year after year after year contract with a government agency who had people in that room and remembered us from that and had relationship with us from that. And we landed two other almost million dollar contracts out of that. So out of that one really bad speech I gave, <laughs> we made, I don't know, five or six million bucks. So, um, you know, I, I should be doing more speaking. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I have never had that kind of success from speaking personally. And a lot of people don't understand. They think speaking is about the professional speakers, right? The people who get paid to speak. And there are opportunities out there to be paid to speak. And, and, and there's, there's even a lot of opportunities. And that's the reason why there's associations that, you know, have hundreds of people in them in every state. And, they, and there's thousands of people that go to uh, Influence 2017 this year that are professional speakers. But most of them are wishing they had a back end like you business owners. Most of them are wishing that they had something that could, they could bring on a million dollar contract and it gets handed off to the team, right? The, the, the goes through all the processes and you don't have to actually stress over that new client coming in. So that's, that's a beautiful thing, but these speakers don't get that. They really wish they had a business. Now what I show people to do is have to have businesses like you or like maybe you guys listening in that show how to use speaking as a primary lead generation tool. How do you use an opportunity where you're not going to get paid up front, where you're not going to make a pitch in the room and they're not going to sign up in the back. They're not going to, you know, you have all your bonus stacking and, and your, your scarcity and all of the things that you've probably seen and go, I don't want to be that kind of speaker. Great. Just get up there and find opportunities that were, I, my first speech I, I found through networking right? And instead of going to get clients, I just said, look, this, I speak about this. Do, do you have networking opportunities? I call it flipping the script on networking. Instead of going to find clients, go to find speaking gigs. And people will actually fall all over themselves to help you because you're not actually asking them to spend money. You're not actually asking them to sit down with them and have a coffee and kind of get to know you, all those things that happen in networking. You're actually asking to, to, to leverage their network, which is probably one of the things you teach and this is just in a different way. And I've seen this work so many times. My first speech wasn't millions. It was only $3,000. But it came from a networking event. And it came from me just putting myself out there and saying, I'd, I'd love to do this. You guys know any opportunities? A week later, something came up. 
I spoke the next day and I got four conversations and one client for $3,000. That was four years ago. It's a pretty good use of your time, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't have to do a funnel. I didn't have to do emails. I didn't have to worry about like paying for this event or anything like that. I just showed up, gave my message, had some conversations, which I'm used to doing. And I was positioned differently. And as, as I started to do that, I, I, I wasn't smart about this, Steve. I didn't realize that speaking actually made you kind of a rock star. I just knew I wanted to do it. I knew how I looked at people doing it, but I knew that there was opportunities to share your message. But once I started speaking on a more regular basis, people looked at me differently and they're like, didn't question my prices as much. They didn't question the scope of the work. They, they trusted me. And a lot of my friends are like, you're up to some really cool stuff. You're doing great things. You're growing a lot. You're doing this, you're doing that. And I just was, it was visible. Like it's a very visible element to your business. And I think if you use it well, you can really leverage it beyond just that moment on stage. Yeah, without, a, without a doubt. So going back to this really bad speech I gave almost 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago, um, you know, it sounds really glamorous that we got all these contracts out of it. And we were lucky we were in a business where you could get large contracts um, and where that, that was the way that business was kind of done. So, but that speech actually led to other invitations to speak, some large, some small. And I mean, to your point, I was in a really small kind of a niche industry of, of engineering that probably nobody's ever heard of. And within I'm really, curious, which was it? Uh, it's called geomatics. Um, okay. And it's, um, you know, kind of the end result of geomatics is Google Maps, right? It's very, very highly precise mapping with satellites and GPS and all kinds of stuff. Um, really technical kind of I mean, when I used to talk about this, people would glaze over. So, um, but it was a great way to really stand out in that small little industry. And so many people are in businesses where you can corral up, you know, just that small group that you're really specialized in and, and really be the leader of it. So, you know, I was right out of college. By the time I was 30, I had because I could speak, because I could go out and develop business this way. Um, and I gained some of that celebrity status. I was asked to take over the company and be the CEO from the founder. Um, I was, uh, you know, chosen by my peers to, to lead the, in our state, the, the state industry association. Um, I was the one that was, was tapped whenever conferences were looking for somebody to talk about this really specific topic that we were specialized in. And that drove so much business and made all of the rest of what we did, um, you know, so much easier that uh, there, there's huge, huge value here for uh, businesses that aren't doing it. And what you're talking about is what a lot of businesses miss. And I, and I had this conversation, you know, sometimes a dozen times in a week about businesses that are in such a, a survival mode, they're just taking all clients and they really are just stressed. But when they find what you have is, is, was, was a very profitable niche, I would imagine, uh, speaking in millions of dollars, I, I've seen when, when you actually find that profitable niche, you actually have better results with your clients. You have more systems that you put in place that you can actually leverage a team to do the work where you don't have to do all of it. And then you can actually systematically position your authority or that rock star status, if you will, through whatever mechanism, whether it be media, whether it be 
uh, speaking or any, anything else that you have available to you. And, you know, I'll say this. I mean, you, you don't just have anybody on this podcast, right? You probably have, you know, people that are requesting to be on the show. You've you, the list can be long because there's a lot of people that you would love to have on the show and they would love to be on the show. But I feel honored to be here, but, but you selected me because I'm an expert in this one area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you came highly recommended by people that I trust. And, um, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, with the speaking that you've done. And I've, um, you know, we haven't met in person yet, but I've seen, um, I've seen speeches that you've given. And, and, uh, and, and so it goes a long way. I mean, to your point, because you've established that expert authority, I mean, I, I would, if I had to guess, there's probably 5,000, 10,000 people who would claim to do what you do, but you're here. Well, I, I think there's people that claim to do something related to speaking. And I, and I know a lot of these people, they're friends of mine. Um, most of them are teaching different aspects of speaking. And most of the market is around the paid speaking. That's where most of the money is to be made because there's an immediate payoff to this and, and it's fantastic. And, and I get paid for some of my speeches. So, but I also still do free stuff. So hopefully my meeting planners aren't seeing this, um, <laughs> but I, I, um, I enjoy more an opportunity where I know I'm speaking to that right audience. And I, you know, I think you saw a video of one of my clients who has a, a marketing company who found that, that the slice of the market that was right for him never spoke on a stage before and actually a kid, right? What? 26 years old. Mm -hmm. He gives one speech that the first six weeks after the speech was about $50,000 in new contracts and, and work, which is great. Like he gave one speech and, and, Six weeks, we got $50,000. He was able to ramp up his company. He was able to really move forward with it. And it's not a lot of money, but he has a um, recurring revenue model inside of his business. So then the average client was paying about two grand a month. And so now it's been 18 months since that speech. And he's done over $800,000 from one speech very tried and true competitive market, but he found that slice, never gave a speech before, and he just crushed it. And so that's given me just so much excitement. He's not the only one. I mean, your story is even bigger than that, giving one speech and it going to five or $6 million. But I just don't understand why people don't pay more attention to this because there's opportunities to speak at their local conferences, their local associations, maybe it's national, and there's they're letting their fear keep them from what will really propel them in their business. Either they're afraid to, to create a personal brand and some people want the business to be the brand, but usually a business has a spokesperson, right? Apple had Steve Jobs. Now they have Tim Cook. They have one person that's carrying the message. Who is that in your company? It may not be you. Like you weren't the owner of the company when you gave that speech the first time, right, Steve? Right. You got tapped on the shoulder and you gave a, you stunk it up, but then you still did well. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I get a little bit excited. I get, and I, and there's a little bit of frustration because there's just people aren't seeing the opportunity and they make excuses like I just couldn't do that or that's too hard or they'll do the, the biggest excuse of all. If I do good work, I'll get discovered. And yeah. that just, that, that does happen. But usually it happens to the people that you don't see what they're doing to get to that point. And 
the one, if you're waiting to be discovered or you're reactive to all of this, then you're going to get what's left over from all the people that like me and you that are proactive and go out there and, and create it for ourselves. Well, let me, let me um, <laughs> lend a little bit of data to that. So, uh, you know, our focus is, is helping similar businesses to the ones you work with and helping them build referral strategies. And we ask over a thousand of these business owners, what's, what's the single biggest barrier to you getting more referrals? And, and the, the number one is that they're just uncomfortable asking. But the number two frustration that they share is that I do really, really good work, but I never get referrals. My clients are ecstatic. They're happy. They love me, but they never refer. And so to your point, you can do phenomenal work and you can be the world's best kept secret. Yeah. I, I, I want to share a story with you about referrals because I know this is part of your platform. Um, when I first started out my business, and I know everyone's probably might, way beyond this, but I, l pretend you're breaking into a new market. And I was breaking into a new market with this business and I, I didn't have a customer in that market. So I went to someone I knew that was in the market. I talked to them. I knew I could help them solve their problems. And they literally were so strapped for cash that they couldn't afford to pay me. And it wasn't expensive. I mean, it was, it was 500 bucks a month as I remember. It was about five years ago. So it's like, I just can't afford it, right? We're having to juggle which bills do we pay, right? It's not, it's not you know, we can't pay them all. Which ones do we pay? And I said, let me help you because you're my friend. I, wanna, I just wanted three months and literally, we didn't put a timetable on this, but in three months, I had the, the kind of conversations that allowed me to serve him. And he had such a huge impact to his business that he couldn't stop talking about me. He couldn't. And, and I did ask him for referrals. Like, we already knew that this was not something that he paid for. But I can trace back nine clients from that one free three-month period I've given. And, and now if I called him up today, he would do anything. Because it literally set him on the map for his business for nine referrals. I don't know how many thousands of dollars. I would say probably $50,000 from that one three-month kind of project I did. And I get to use that as a reference, right? He's, he's a testimonial for me forever. Yeah, and it, it, it absolutely can work that way. And, uh, and it sounds like you were fairly proactive about orchestrating the referrals after you created his success. I'm not um, shy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that, and that's part of the key. So um, um, that's awesome. That's a great story. Well, um, thanks so much for, for sharing all this. I want to make sure that everybody that's listens knows how to get in touch with you, learn more about authority camp um, because for, especially for businesses that um, are in our world that are typically selling um, high ticket, high trust services, speaking can be a real differentiator. So how do they find you and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, they go to leaders in the trenches is probably the best place. That's, that's my kind of home base. That's where I have the podcast. That's where I'm creating a lot of the content. That's where my kind of programs are offered. My speaking page, if you were looking at that is genehammett.com, which I'm sure we'll put links into these things. Absolutely. Yep. And then, um, you know, I, I know we didn't discuss this, but you know, in case someone is speaking, I've, I've got, I've got some templates if it, that would help them. Yeah. I think that'd be fantastic. That appropriate? Yes. So, just to put a framework around this, um, if, if you are thinking of speaking, then one of the things you're going to want to do is you're going to find your niche. You're going you're to find your market where you really could excel. Uh, and it really is done through, through as easy as just finding three places that you would really like to speak. And then you're probably wondering, how do I reach out to the conferences in that market? 
Well, I've put together um, the templates I've been using. I've refined this over the, the last few years. There really are a great way to just go ahead and get started. You're going to want to customize the templates I give you, but uh, we'll put a link in here and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and just say that if you want those templates um, to get booked on speaking gigs, it's uh, leadersinthetrenches.com forward slash unstoppable. And uh, it just be a simple little sign up there because what I'm going to do is not only give you the templates, but I've, I have a research team that has compiled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of places to speak. So if you're looking for some ideas, I will actually give you the database. So when you, when you actually have those templates, you'll actually have some places to send them to. And so that's one of the things I do if anyone's interested in speaking. That's awesome. That's a huge time saver. Yeah. Well, I've spent thousands. So, and I've learned it the hard way. So just go to leaders in the trenches.com forward slash unstoppable. That's excellent. Gene, thanks for sharing that. Thank you so much for being on. It's been an absolute pleasure and, and uh, I'm glad we had the chance to chat. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I will say everyone that this, this, this whole concept of being unstoppable works in everything you're doing. I lost millions and millions in one day and I didn't let it keep me down. So whatever you're looking at and facing, it's time to, to decide to be unstoppable. So thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.